So change, some change we initiate, some we pursue, we seek it out, we want it, and in other cases, it just comes on us unbidden, uninvited, no thanks. Here's the deal. Life means change. Life means change. For every one of us, at least we share this much in common, uh, at some point, a sperm and an egg came together, and nine months later, you showed up. That's change. And then we spend the rest of our years going through change. We change our hearts. We change our pace. We change our scenery. Uh, we go through changes of address. We change the channel. We change the subject. We change our minds. We change our tune. We change our ways. People change. Our children grow up and move out of the house. Our bodies age. We change change. All the while, the world around us is changing, changing all the time, and sometimes it feels like the only thing that is constant, that is steady, is the change. So life is change. God is in the business of change. I don't know if you ever thought about that. God is in the business of change. Think with me. Creation. At one point, if we can speak in that language, at one point there was absolutely nothing. He creates and then there's absolutely everything. That's change. Um, regeneration, moving us from spiritual death to spiritual life. That's change. Adoption, he finds us as we are. Helpless orphans brings us into his family, making us beloved children. That's change. Sanctification. Slowly but surely over the course of our lives, making us more and more to conform to the image of his son, to make us more like Jesus. That's change. Glorification. Hello. Where the, his great promise to make all things new. That's change. Life is change. God is in the business of change, which brings us to our text. Lamentations chapter 3, the year is 586 B.C. The army of Babylon has absolutely destroyed the city of Jerusalem. The devastation was absolutely horrific. You, you can read in several other places in the Old Testament in the narratives, the historical narratives of the, the, the facts of the desolation and the destruction. But Jeremiah here in Lamentations does not so much write in terms of facts He's writing as a poet, and he's more relaying the feelings of the, des the desolation and the destruction and his dismay, utter dismay. He knows very well that his people had this coming. They had it coming, and it had been coming for a long time. But at the same time, again, that destruction, what he witnessed and the horror of it, was just so, again, dismaying. Yet oddly enough and beautifully enough, in the midst of all of that, somehow a ray of hope bursts through that even in the midst of all of that, a, a restored relationship with God was yet possible. It was yet possible. Hope. Hope comes up on the horizon. And that's where you find yourself in Lamentations 3, verses 22 through 24. In, in the ways of a poet, 
in the structure of the larger book of Lamentations, these three verses are dead center in Lamentations 1 through 5, chapters 1 through 5. It's the heart of the whole book. It makes it, makes it challenging to study and preach through and all that because you're kind of like if you're moving progressively, sequentially through it, and yet the heart of it is in the middle. Once you get past it, you have to remember what you read. What you're, once you're moving towards it, you have to know where you're going. That's the heart. It's the center. It's the gravity, the deep part of Lamentations 3. In all of this, what we see is a practical theology of change. That's what we, among many other things that we have here in these few verses, the Lord gives us a practical theology of change, the idea being that God brings change into all our lives all the time. God brings change into all our lives all the time. The only sane response is to look to Him. He brings change into all our lives all the time. The only sane response in the midst of that is to look to him. Now, that said, what do we see as we look to him? That's the, the three points uh, for this message. It's not in your outline. The flow this week was such, the getting to the printer, right, Heidi? Uh, all such that uh, in the holiday and everything, we weren't able to put the points in the outline. But here they are, in case you're wondering. Actually, in case you're not wondering, here's what they are. Love unceasing. This is one of the, the first thing that we see here in this text. Love unceasing. This is part of the theology of change. But not just that. A mercy unending. So a love unceasing is number one. A mercy unending is number two. And lastly, thirdly, is a faithfulness abounding. So love, mercy, and faithfulness. Unceasing, unending, and abounding. Let's look at this in turn, these, these, three, these three points. First, a love unceasing. This is just looking here at the first part of verse 22. Just want to delve into it. Think about it. What is, what is Jeremiah saying here? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. This word, it's actually one word in the Hebrew that's translated steadfast love. It is the word chesed. You clear your throat. Chesed, as you're saying it. It means loving kindness. Loving kindness, it is grace, it is favor. And where in this case does it come from? Whose is it? It is the Lord's. It is the God of the covenant, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is his steadfast love, his loving kindness. And how is it shown? How do we experience it? Jeremiah says this steadfast love, unlike any other, never ceases. It never ceases. It, with him, there will never come a day when he will say, I give up. I've had enough with you. That will never happen because his chesed never ceases. This steadfast love never ceases despite what we deserve. You think about that in the context of Lamentations, in the context of Old Testament Israel. And why it is that they were experiencing what they're experiencing, the Lord's heavy hand of discipline upon them. Despite what we deserve to be cast off, to be thrown off, turned away from, despite that, you know, his love never ceases. Despite our grumbling, despite our complaining, despite our wickedness, despite our waywardness, his love is unceasing. Again, the text, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. How can that help us go through change? 
How does that serve as some sort of anchor for us as we go through change? If nothing else, it it tells us that no matter what the circumstances are, no matter the setting, no matter the swirl that we feel around us, His love is there. His love is there. He will not turn away from us because He cannot turn away from us. And we can know that because He has already turned away from Jesus on the cross in our place, in our stead, which means now he can never turn away. He can never turn away from his people. He's already done that. It's been done, as Jesus says on that cross. It is finished. It is finished. It is done. It is complete. We have nothing but his face, never his back. In the midst of everything, his love has, has to always be there. This is love unceasing. That's our hope, as Jeremiah says in verse 24. Therein the Lord is our portion. He is our hope because this is a love that is unceasing. Again, God brings change to every, into every one of our lives all the time. What's the only sane response to look to him? To look to him. Which brings us to the second point as you just move through this. His love unceasing then leads to a mercy unending. Because of this love unceasing, as a consequence of that, as a result of that, what we experience is mercy unending. Let's look at it again. Verses 22 and now just inching our way into verse 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Now what are we talking about here? We're talking about compassion. Compassion that, that not only sees need and feels bad about it, but moves towards it, that acts upon it. Compassion, real compassion, kindness, a kindness that moves towards, that addresses the deep need of the, of the helpless and the hopeless. That's the kind of compassion, the, the mercy that we see here. And what is the source of this mercy? The Alpha and the Omega the one who has no beginning and no end. You know what that means? If this is his mercy, the mercy of the one who has no beginning and no end, what does that tell you about his mercy? It too has no end. It cannot. It cannot have an end because he has no end. The scriptures oftentimes speak of uh, his the, the, the never-ending love and mercies of God having, in this case specifically, no ceiling, no bottom, no floor, no limit. Each day, as we keep reading, His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. It is though with, with every, okay, that's east, every rising of the sun, is yet another opportunity, another example, another case study, another evidence, another wave of his mercy to us, his people. Change comes. Yes, it does. Ours is then to look to the God of unending mercy. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Okay, how does this help us? How does this help us? Well, thinking about that just for a moment, his mercies 
alluded to it already, I'm going to say it a little bit differently now. His mercies cannot be exhausted any more so than he can be. They can never tire out. You never see the, the E on the mercy tank. Because they can never be exhausted because he can never be exhausted, which means, by extension, they will always come. His mercy will always come because it has to. Now, it may not come as we ask, as we insist, and as we demand. But in his love and goodness and wisdom, it will come because his mercies are unending. And again, that means the Lord can only be our hope, our sole hope, our portion, the one real portion that we have. Again, God, is, God brings change into every one of our lives all the time. Our only same, the only same response that we have is to look to him. That's the last thing. We're taking us to the last thing, the last point. And this is where Jeremiah lands. Not only do we see this love that's unceasing and this mercy that is unending, but this faithfulness that is abounding. Abounding. Let me read it one more time. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Think about what he's talking about here. This is, when he's referring to God's faithfulness, he's referring to an unyielding steadfastness. An unyielding trustworthiness. You have never experienced that in your life except in him. Everything else in this life, the best that we could ever experience in this life is but a signpost and a shadow. But not with him. An unyielding steadfastness and trustworthiness, or, and one commentary I was reading this week put it this way, an un qualified reliability, an unqualified reliability. Now, how can we speak in such ways? Because of whose it is. This is the faithfulness of the immutable God, meaning he cannot change. It is impossible for him to change. He is the one sole constant that there is, and therein his faithfulness isn't going anywhere. It can't be moved. It cannot be moved. How do we see this? Well, when the scriptures speak of the greatness of God, the greatness of his works, and here we see the greatness of his faithfulness in its richness in how many different ways it expresses itself and comes alongside into our lives. This, like I can put it this way, a multidimensional faithfulness. Change comes. Ours is to look to the God of faithfulness abounding. How does that help us? Well, just think about it. Think about it as we move into, as you look back on this past week and you think, project out into this week that's coming. How does this help you? in facing the changes in your life. The greatness 
of his faithfulness. I'm just going to read to you the words that we just sang a moment ago. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Thomas Chisholm, great is thy faithfulness. What does this mean? It means that despite the fact that you feel like, that I feel like, that we feel like, that at times we have been strapped to some sort of treadmill that's running a few speeds too fast or tied down to some sort of amusement park ride where everything around us, and maybe we ourselves too, are swirling and moving at dizzying speeds. Despite how that may feel, despite, and again, maybe that is exactly what's going on. Maybe you're strapped in there and everything else is moving too. With all of that still, he is the God of faithfulness. And he will not change. His, this, this is how we can know his promises will hold because he's not going anywhere. God brings change into all of our lives all the time. Ours is but to look to him. Let me end on this last point. This last, this is moving into the conclusion. Churches go through change. Churches go through change too. And we are in the midst of a sea change uh, right now, to, to be sure. Quick history lesson. CPC Clarksville was planted by a good man named Kurt McDaniel back in the late 90s. He left in 2002, and I was called in to serve as the pastor. A few years later, a gentleman by the name of Colin Roberts was called to serve here. For three years, he was our assistant pastor. He had a one-year gap, and then Luke Banner was here for three years. Lots of seasons of ministry, lots of changes, lots of people coming and going. I'm not going to do a, a survey, but I'm wondering how many of you even know who Colin Roberts is. I know a few of you, yeah, but you keep your hands down. <laughs> My point being is that churches go through change all the time, too. This is nothing, in a sense, nothing new. It's a little discombobulating, but it's nothing new. Some changes... We seek them out. We choose them. We choose the change. We initiate the change. We want the change. Sometimes they're like, ah, you know, you feel like you've been attacked and you didn't ask for it at all. So what do we do? What do you do? You look to the God of change, the God over the change, the God in the change. Again, life is change. And God is in the business of change. So just as a little side note, yes, in the, in the coming weeks and months, we're going to be, the, the elders we're going to be and, and leaders of this church are going to be evaluating the needs, where we are. And with that, looking also at, at our limited resources and putting all that before you and letting us know where, where things, letting you know where things are and where things are going, we're going to be talking about that. All the while, committing ourselves to four fundamentals. Four fundamentals in these coming weeks and months that you're going to be hearing more and more about. The first one being spiritual gifting. Spiritual gifting, how the Lord gifts and equips his people and, and moves with intentionality within a, within a local body. That's the first thing. The second thing being discipleship 
and a commitment to us as, as a body and as individuals. To what, what does it mean to grow as a follower of Jesus? And that being the thing that marks out who we are in this world, discipleship. Thirdly, a rekindling of the, peacemake, the vision of the peacemaking church and all that that means. What does it mean to do conflict well and to love one another in and through that? That's the third thing. And lastly, the fourth, because none of that will mean anything without this, all undergirded and informed and enriched by prayer, individually and corporately. Those four things we're going to be talking about as we're thinking through the needs, the current needs, and evaluating what is resources has the Lord given us in this season to steward. Those four things, the spiritual gifting, the discipleship, the peacemaking church, and prayer. Practically speaking, that's where we as a church are going in terms of, so what do we do now? But the big thing, the big thing is this. In the midst of change, where are we looking? To the God of change. Who does not change. Let's pray. Life means change. Lord Jesus as you walk to this earth, you experience this. You didn't just see it. You didn't just make things this way. You, you experienced it. You came as a baby, grew to be a man, ascended, experienced death and life anew, tempted as we are, yet without sin. You know change, and yet you don't change. And you're in the business of change. Yours is that love unceasing, and yours is this mercy unending, and yours is this faithfulness abounding. And we ask that you would help us to hear and know and feel and live out of Lamentations 3. Sometimes life is dizzying. Sometimes it feels like somebody has hit us upside the head with a two-by-four, and we're going through the day concussed because of the change, because of the speed, because of the immensity, because of the suddenness. And I pray for any and everyone here in this room who is feeling that way this morning in their own lives. Oh, would you encourage the reality that you know and that you're right there with them and you don't change. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask my fellow elders.